0: We will be reading today from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 23. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, though disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. Verse 20, And behold, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be filled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. At his days, his wife Elizabeth conceived for five months, and she kept herself hidden, saying, "Thus says the Lord: Has done me in the days when He looked on to me to take away my reproach among people." That was a lot. That was good. I'm a little stuffy from last week. Luck last week. We're going to get do the best I can. Today we are going to wrap our sermon series up on Jesus through their eyes. Today we're going to talk about Jesus through their eyes, Zachariah. We're going to kind of piggyback piggyback off a little bit what we did last week. But I want you to think about this a minute. How many times do you think the name Zechariah is in the Bible? 28 times. That tells us the name Zechariah means something important. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know in the Bible names actually meant something. Your name meant something. It had a meaning. We see Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered, or God has remembered. Last week we talked about Elizabeth. Elizabeth's name means my God is an oath, or God has sworn. Her son was John. His name God has graciously given. So if you put those together, we see Yahweh has remembered his oath by graciously giving John. John. Names mean something. This family's names meant something together. What does that point to? What did I just say to you? What does it point to? Yahweh has remembered his oath by graciously giving John. They point it back to the first promise. We talked about this last week in Genesis. The first promise, the very first promise... The promise in Genesis 15, the promise talking about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. This Messiah who would crush the head of Satan, who will defeat sin and death. That's what that points to. Today we will see that promise in Jesus through the eyes of Zechariah. The first point we'll make about Zechariah is that he was a faithful priest. We open up our reading today. We see that Zechariah, the first thing we even see before we get his name was that he was a priest. He was in the division of Abijah, a descendant of Aaron the high priest. Abijah was a descendant of Eleazar who was Aaron's oldest son. So this is all this is his family lineage is being a priest. That's what he was, a priest. We saw last week that both Elizabeth and Zechariah were both upright in the sight of God. They were godly people, they were obedient to God. We talked about it's more it's more than just being legalistic. They didn't do it because they had to do it. Because that's what you were supposed to do. They did it because they had the heart for God. They loved God and kept his commands. They wanted to serve him. It wasn't something they had to do, but they wanted to serve him. They represent the best of the Old Testament religion, Old Old Testament people. They were faithful to God. But with Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had a huge hole in their hearts. They didn't have any children. Again, if you didn't have children, especially as a woman, you were looked down upon. Because that's what made you a woman then, was when you had children in a family. And Elizabeth was barren. She didn't have kids. She was old. I said last week, advanced in years, so I didn't offend any of you 60s, 70s. I'm not going to go any further in age. People, advanced in years. They had no kids. They prayed every day for kids. They wanted kids. They prayed and prayed and prayed. And for a long time, nothing happened. They prayed, they wanted kids, and they didn't have any. But guess what? Did they sulk? Did they cry? They continued to serve. They continued to be faithful. Again, Zechariah is old, Elizabeth is old, she is barren, but it doesn't stop them from being faithful to God. It doesn't stop them from praying. They didn't stop praying. Even though they were old in their age, they kept praying. They didn't turn against God. They didn't turn their back against God. They kept praying. It didn't affect their worship toward him at all. They didn't get bitter. Think for yourself, when things don't go your way, when you pray for something and pray for something and you don't get any answers, what what do we do? We get angry, we get mad at God, we say, well, why isn't he answering my prayers? Why, why isn't anything happening? And we may not be doing it on purpose, but we turn our backs on God at times. We stop praying because we don't see anything happening. But that's not what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. Zachariah loves God and he serves God faithfully. Zachariah is in the same class of men, again, that we don't really talk about Zachariah, but he's in the same class of men who are truly faithful and servant to God, like Abraham, Joseph, Elijah and so on in the Old Testament. That's what Zachariah is like. He's in that category. We go further in history in church history, we see people like Martin Luther, Augustine, John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon. these guys were faithful men who served God as we go further than that, we have Billy Graham, we have R.C. Sproul, we have John MacArthur, Martin Lord Jones, and so on and so on. Faithful men who are wanting to serve God and being faithful. They are far from perfect, but they serve the Lord, they worship Him in spirit and truth. That's the type of man Zachariah is and was. Our second point, we see that Zechariah was a fearful priest. We see in the priesthood, it was divided into 24 courses. We see that in 1 Chronicles 24. Each would serve a two-week period of time in the temple. There was a lot of priests and Levites, so they would cast lots uh, on who would do all the tasks. So that's what would decide who would do the tasks each day. They would cast the lots so this is the good part. Zechariah gets chosen to offer incense in the holy place. What an honor. This would only happen once a lifetime. And some people wouldn't even get this opportunity. But Zechariah had that chance. This is what he gets to do. We see God's providence in this story. Who chose for Zechariah to be chosen and to do this? It wasn't the lot's. God chose him for this job. Proverbs 16.33 tells us, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. It wasn't the lots that chose him to do this. It was God. He chose him for this task. God wants him to burn the incense in the temple. That's what God wants him to do. So we see where the temple was made up of many courts and rooms. The Gentiles could only go so far. The women could only get a little closer. They could go to the court of women. Jewish men could go a little bit farther in the court of Israel. And priests could go a little bit farther than that. They were granted access to the court of priests. But there was an inner sanctuary of the temple that was divided by a curtain and into the, into the Holy of Holies. That only a certain one priest could do that once a year could go in there. The priest was the representative, who would enter by himself into the holy place. He would see three things covered in gold the lampstand, the table of bread, and altar of incense. And at the far end would be the, cust- uh, the curtain that separated God and his people. Zechariah would be given a golden censer filled with glowing coals and would take a large quantity of incense and scatter it over the burning coals on the altar. And and then he would bow in prayer. That was his job. So a fragrant cloud of smoke would go up to the sky from this incense. What a sight that must have been to see this, this incense, this beautiful smoke rising up! This was worship. This shows that their prayers were, were pleasing to God as the fragrance was pleasing to the nostrils. The smoke and fragrance going upward symbolizes the prayers of God's people being lifted up to him. Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Revelation 5.8 says, And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. This is worship. This is their worship to God that their prayers were sweet smelling, sent to Him. This moment for Zachariah was huge. This was His moment that He has been waiting for for His whole life. And at this moment, what happens? Look at, look at chapter or verse eleven. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. In the Jewish tradition, the left side of the altar was supposed to be four angels. But where is the angel at here? He's on the right side. So, in Jewish tradition, would say suggest that this is coming directly from God Himself. That this was a big deal. We see in verse 12 and 13 that Zechariah was terrified. He was literally scared to death. The angel tells him to guess what? Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been answered. What prayer has been answered? What has him and Elizabeth been praying about, praying about, praying about diligently? They want a child. The angel tells him, Your prayer has been answered. They were going to have a baby. Your prayers have been heard. All those prayers they have been praying, they have been heard. Next thing we see is that he was a faithless priest. We see in chapter 19, you see the word good news there. This was good news, wonderful news, fantastic news that the Messiah was coming, and your son John is going to pave the way for the Messiah, going to pay, going to be the forerunner for Christ. That your son, John, was not to drink wine or find drink. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, as we talked about last week when he leapt in his mother's stomach. He's going to turn people to the Lord. He's going to be the forerunner and he's going to prepare the people for the Lord. This was the good news that was going to happen to John. The good news that was going to happen for us. The angel brought the good news. We see Zechariah again. This is what he he's doing. What he has always wanted to do. At this moment, he is in the presence of God. You would think that his faith would be huge. That you couldn't have any more faith at this time. He was doing what he's wanted to do. And he just found that he was going to have a son. You think would think his faith would be the best that has ever been? But look at verse eighteen. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this? I'm old. My wife's barren. She's old. Instead of looking at God in faith and trusting in the fact that he said you are going to have a son... Instead of listening to him and hearing exactly what he said and taking it in having faith in that, Zacharias says to himself that having a baby is impossible because we're old. He's looking at the physical. He's saying we're old. It is impossible for us to have a baby. It can't happen. He looked and saw the physical limitations instead of trusting in what God had to say. We saw last week that Elizabeth has great faith. No matter what the situation, in her barrenness, she was faithful. When she found out she was pregnant, she was faithful. We see Zachariah at this point did not have that same faith as Elizabeth did. He lacked faith. Look at verse 20. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. We see here, we see the consequences of his lack of faith. He is struck mute. Can't talk for nine months. Who would want that to happen? I know some of you wives would rather us husbands be quiet when you're pregnant. But he could not speak or communicate at all. I like the late late laughter. That's good. Uh No speech, no talking for nine months. Zechariah didn't believe. He didn't believe Gabriel's promise. He didn't have the faith that he needed to have. We see Zechariah and Abraham were kind of in similar spots. Zechariah didn't respond like Abraham, though. Romans 4.19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was going or was good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. Zechariah didn't respond that way in faith. His faith did waver. Luke wants us to see in contrast Zachariah's faith and Mary's faith. Elizabeth in verse 45, we talked last week about Elizabeth, commends Mary. She commended her, she did not worship Mary, she didn't worship her. she commended her. That's important. She said, "Blessed is she. Who, guess what, believed? that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We see this is kind of a criticism of her husband. Elizabeth saying, Mary believed. And Zechariah, you didn't. We see with Mary, verse 34, it says, How can this be since I have no husband? She wasn't married yet. Zachariah asks for more evidence. How can I know this? How can I know what you were saying is true? Mary asks for an explanation. Zachariah says he can't be sure. Mary says she can't understand. Mary gets her partial explanation. Zachariah receives a rebuke and struck mute. We have to see when we were in the same spot, that it's not wrong to want evidence for our faith. That's not That's not what's wrong. But it is wrong in demanding signs beyond what we as humble hearts should require. We see in Luke chapter 11, 29 through 32, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation that seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became... Signed to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the man of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold something greater than Solomon is her, is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the proceeding of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is not belittling evidence for faith, but He he is exposing the hard heart of His peers, the hard heart of people that need something else, need another sign, need something else. That his, His miracles aren't sufficient enough signs for them to believe. They want more and more. We have to be careful not to be like Zechariah and demand too much evidence before we believe God's promises. When times are tough and distressing, we tend to believe that God isn't working it out for our good. We tend to think until I see some sort of extra evidence that I'm going to get through the situation, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe that He is working. We don't take God at his word. If he says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. We don't take him at his word. We forget that. We need more. We need more proof. We need more evidence for us to see what is working. And that's what Zechariah did. The angel had every right to be dissatisfied with Zechariah. We see in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. God in his awesome sovereignness, self, in his ways, wants us to see that keeping his word, when we all say there is no way that is going to happen, there's no possible way that this could ever happen. And God does it. We think there's no physical way that this could ever happen. And it happens. Zechariah, he says, I'm too old. My wife is barren. I can't believe it. Our text today is telling us to trust me. Trust me. I can. I can. That's what God is telling us. I can do it. Trust me. He's telling Zechariah, trust me. God says, I love to do the impossible. We see three lessons in the contrasting of Zechariah and Mary. We talked about the first one. It is possible and dangerous to insist on too much evidence. We just talked about that. The second thing is, it's okay to want and ask for an explanation when we don't understand what God is telling us. We see that Mary was not accused of disbelief when she asked a question like Zechariah. She wasn't accused of disbelief. How can I have a son when I have no husband? We see Mary and Zachariah both saw the impossibility of their situation. Mary's was, well, how am I going to get pregnant? I'm not married. And Zachariah was, how is my wife going to have a baby when she's barren and we're old? But Mary's response was with Humility. She desired to know how this was going to happen. When our hearts are right, God isn't going to be mad at us for seeking to understand His ways. When our hearts are right. We're not going to understand everything that God does. We're not. 1 Corinthians 13.12 says, For we now we see in a mirror dimly, but the, then face to face, now I know in part... And I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. We are not going to understand anything in the age that we're in right now. We're not going to understand everything. We're not going to understand the ways of God. But we can trust and have faith in what He's doing. The third thing we see is that we should not despair or think we will be cast off from God if we fall into not trusting God. God for a time. We have seen Zachariah's unbelief, his unfaithfulness. But after that unbelief, guess what happened? That was preceded by a life of faith and godliness. Zechariah is in the same category as Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times he denied him. It was a temporary lapse. They screwed up. They lacked faith. But as we all do, we get in our own way. Peter got in his own way. Zechariah got in his own way. We get in our own way. Zechariah was not a chronic unbeliever. I want you to see that. He was not a chronic unbeliever. He just lapsed faith for a time. He was a righteous and prayerful. He prayed every day. He was righteous before the Lord. Even the best of men fall into unbelief now and then. Everyone in here has fallen into unbelief now and then. None of us completely trust in what God's promises are. None of us completely trust, if we're honest with ourselves, what God is doing in our lives. We don't trust in faith all the time. There are times that we lapse and feel that we can't do it or God isn't going to do what he says he's going to do. And with that unbelief and unfaithfulness, sometimes we may get some discipline for our unbelief. That might happen, and guess what? It probably will happen. But but guess what? God does not cast you off. He doesn't give up on you. When we repent and set our hearts on Christ, He forgives us. He doesn't cast us off for our unbelief at times. When we lack faith, He doesn't cast us off. He didn't cast Zechariah off, He didn't cast Peter off. I want us to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. So we've seen Zechariah. He is a faithful man, a godly man. Then we see his unbelief. We see the birth of John has come. And we see that all the neighbors and family are, are, are there after he's born. And all these family members, neighbors come, come to the house and give their opinions on what he should be named. You should name him Zachariah after his father. And again, Elizabeth, filled with her, her Holy Spirit and full of faith, she says, no, his name is going to be John. And all the family members and neighbors are saying, there's no one in your family named John. Remember, in this culture, you were named after your father or someone in your family. There's no one in your family named John. And so all the friends and family members looked to Zechariah. What's your opinion on this? Remember, he is mute. He can't talk. So Zechariah asked for a tablet to write something down. He, he writes down, His name is going to be John. And then we see in verse 64, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and spoke blessings. To God. Again, we see in the beginning he was was righteous and blameless. Then we see his unbelief. Now we see him blessing God in his first words after not talking for nine months. Let's look at verse 67. We're going to read it. This is what he said at his first words, after not speaking for nine months. As Father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge, salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light. Listen, this is I love this, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet to the way of peace. Those were his first words that they're not talking for nine months was blessings to God. So the lesson for us is we must not despair if and when we fall into unbelief. Zechariah was a faithful man that fell into unbelief. But we must repent and accept God's forgiveness in Christ and keep living for Christ. What a finish. That's the last we hear from Zechariah. What a finish. A faithful man who loves his God falls into unbelief and comes back, we're not talking for nine months, and gives blessing to God. As I asked the band to come up, we have seen Zechariah, Yahweh, God has remembered. God has remembered the promise to reward faithfulness. God has remembered the promise to hear our prayers. He heard the prayers of Elizabeth and John. He hears the prayers of us. But God especially has remembered the promise of Genesis 3, that the Messiah will come. He will defeat sin and death. And on the cross, he will crush the head of Satan. He will die on the cross, and he will crush the head of Satan, kill death and sin, and he will come back, and we can have life through him forever. Let us pray.